Hi guys, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host, per usual. My name is Marcelo Inostroza, and I'd like to welcome you to episode number 77, entitled, Two Superman Fans Walk Into a Bar. In this edition of the podcast, I sit down with Walio Mustafa. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, who? He's better known in the YouTube community as CK61938. So with that being said and out of the way, I really hope that you guys enjoy the conversation that I had with CK. Welcome to the Red Wall, CK. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much for having me, Marcelo. It's a real pleasure. I'm sure that my listeners are asking themselves right now, why in the world do you have this dapper English gentleman on your podcast? <laughs> oh, well, I, I wouldn't say I'm dapper <laughs> in that sense. But uh, no, I, I believe, you know, we, we've obviously spoke, we spoke on Twitter and, um, you know, you did tell me that you would like to invite me on, on your show. And I figured, well, why not? And this actually, quite surprisingly, um, this is the first time that I've actually been invited to anybody's you know, podcast in that sense, um, or any sort of um, internet related uh, um, social media platform. So yeah, it's, it's actually a real, a real pleasure to be here. Well, uh, believe you me, for, for me, it's probably more of a pleasure than it is for you, because I've been watching you since you uh, actually did dancing videos way back in the day <laughs> on your YouTube channel. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Now that does bring back some flashbacks. Yeah, no, it's actually quite funny because what happened there was, um, so about two, 20 years ago now we're going, almost 20 years ago, yeah. Um, not long after I moved up to Newcastle um, from London and I was out clubbing with some friends and um, there was a group of guys dancing on the stage and one of my friends was like, oh, could, could you go and request a song? And I thought, okay, I'll go and request a song. So I went up to the DJ and I said, excuse me, would you mind playing this song? And he went, oh, you, this this is actually like a 70s group night, you know, where we're playing a lot of 70s songs. And I thought, oh, right, okay. And then he sort of looked at me and thought, wait, why don't you join in? I was like, what do you mean? He went, well, you know, I've heard that black guys can dance really well, you know, they've got good rhythm and such. And I thought, oh my God, where is he going with this? So, um, I was looking at the stage and I could see these three guys were up there dancing as well. And he was like, go on, look, you know, why, why don't you get up there and show us what you can do? So I thought, okay, what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen is everybody will laugh at me and I'm just going to be like, well, I, I did what I did. So, you know, I probably had had one too many drinks. So I thought, well, we'll just blame it on that. So I got up on the stage, did, did some moves with the guys. And then when that was done, went back to DJ and he went, well, what do you think? Would you like to join us? And I thought, okay yes sure thing why not and I did and we I was doing that for about I did it for about say six months or almost a year um till I eventually sort of thought you know I want to move on to something else and it wasn't until about around about the 2007 um because what happened after that gig was that I started doing dancing at a nightclub I was working I thought well let me let, let me see if I can hone my skills a bit better. And I used to sort of like entertain the students, as it were. We had a Monday and a Wednesday night at this, at this club with the students. Um, and then, like I say, then that all sort of felt, you know, died down because I moved on to other things. And it was around about 2007 where the manager of the club that I was work that I used to work at got in touch with me and said, 
we would like to bring you back for one evening you know would you like to do a show for one evening i thought yeah why not so that's when i started all the videos on youtube i figured let me let, let, let me see if i can get my groove back and i just out just you know just on a whim i thought yeah I'll, I'll just record these put them on youtube didn't think anybody would really pay any attention apart from say my friends themselves um who did mock me for it but i wasn't that bothered um and that's pretty much yeah where, where it all started putting videos on youtube and it began with the dancing videos which was quite funny yeah Wow, uh, one of my first videos on YouTube, which no longer exists because I, I removed it. It's it's quite it was quite embarrassing, and I didn't I didn't even know if I was on the air to be honest with not. But one of my first YouTube videos was a video talking about MMA, rest, uh, uh, mixed martial arts that doesn't okay. exist anymore. So, uh, no, I um I need to I need to give you a tremendous thank you uh, because of you. I started. Uh, I I already told you this, but I don't know who actually pays attention to my Twitter feed, but if you do, you already know what I'm about to say, but I started uh, a couple years ago, I decided to uh, start reviewing Smallville episode by episode because of the videos that you released way back in the day. Yeah, I remember yeah, like, those. I can't, I can't remember if you actually reviewed all the episodes, but I, I can remember you reviewing like a smattering episodes here and there. <laughs> yeah, so with the Smallville reviews, it sort of it happened pretty much after the doomsday episode from season eight um bride where doomsday basically gate crashes jimmy and um chloe's wedding um and it was at that point that my excitement levels just went through the roof and i thought i need to talk about this i don't know who's going to listen i don't know who's going to watch but i need to talk about this you know and um and that's pretty much where it started was that that was the first review that i've done obviously back then when i had a youtube account um you know i also used to upload you know movie trailers and such and then obviously when youtube started doing the whole takedown of videos that people were uploading trailers that they weren't supposed to be uploading obviously i lost my channel on two occasions um so when i created the third one which is now ck61938 um I made sure that I didn't re-upload anything that was going to get me in trouble with YouTube. So now when you see a lot of the videos that I've got on there, so mainly Smallville reviews, a lot of, you know, Arrow reviews, movie reviews as well, and a few geeky stuff here and there. But yeah, Smallville, that was the very, very first show that I decided to talk about. And that sort of opened up an avenue of just me reviewing Smallville and then eventually moving on to movie reviews you know I didn't know where it was going to take me um I just suddenly just about felt the need to just share my excitement for the show um you know and talk with other like like-minded people and just just thought to myself okay we'll do this if it doesn't take off it doesn't take off but I'm going to keep going anyway who knows what's going to come out of it um so yeah that that was the very very first episode so I haven't reviewed all episodes of Smallville. I definitely have not reviewed all episodes of Smallville. It's pretty much from season mid mid. The, so from the mid season of season eight was when I started, and then subsequently every episode after that. And I've obviously done some surprise episodes here and there, and I've done some other reviews here and there. You know, at the request of what people have asked me to, that wanted me to review certain episodes. But yeah, Bride was essentially the very first um, one that kicked it off. Well, now that you mentioned that, I got a crazy idea, and um, I'm going to do this on the air, so, uh, well, I'll see what happens. But uh, my favorite episode of Smallville ever is the 100th episode. Mm -hmm. 
And I was wondering uh, when I get there eventually, uh, would you want to actually uh, be a, um, my guest on that review? I'd be happy to. Absolutely. I think I think that the yeah, the hundredth episode is a real turning point for, for Clark on his journey to becoming Superman. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I would I would I would hundred percent be there. You let me know when and I'll make sure to watch the episode just to refresh my memory. But to be honest, I've watched Smallville that many times over the years that I kind of do get an understanding of what what the what the shows and what the episodes are about. Um so yeah, absolutely give, give me a shout and I'll definitely join. All right. Well, yeah. Well, that's great. You hit it. You hit it here first, people. Whenever I get to that episode, God knows when, because I am <laughs> lax with my YouTube video making, and I got this podcast thing now, and I do other things. So yeah. No, um, I mean to be honest, like like you, I, I know we were just talking off air just earlier about you know when when you started your podcasting. I know, you know you I, like you. I don't know anything about the technical side of podcasting and especially the whole YouTube side of things as well was all new to me and it was just very sort of like there's just just that uncharted waters and that in that sort of sense of thinking of what am I doing but I like to keep things just basic and simple you know I don't want things to be overly complicated you know so yes I'm, I'm using Anchor for my podcasting will I move to another to another um, hosting service I don't know um, who knows I might do it could be a good year two three down the line um, but yeah for the time being like I say I'm just like just like to keep things simple and just basic you know just get on with it yeah yeah no uh, well the, the the main reason that I moved away from Anchor is because uh, since I started podcasting I basically taught myself how to edit a pod I basically taught myself everything how to edit a podcast mm -hmm. you know what a what a rss feed is and basically the ins and outs of podcasting mm -hmm. and when i got into that community um i mean i don't want to dissuade you from away from anchor but i heard some nefarious things that they were involved with and and up to uh in the background as far mm -hmm. as uh you owning your content that you make for anchor or whatever mm -hmm. so i didn't mm -hmm that particularly didn't buy with me. So that's why I stepped away from Anchor and I moved to Buzzsprout uh, for a while. I was at Buzzsprout and that's the number one podcast host in America. Right. And then uh, because I have another podcast, uh, um, Buzzsprout didn't support uh, uh, another podcast on one account. So I moved over to a, a podcast service that does allow me to upload uh, multiple shows on one account. So that's why I'm with uh, Anchor FM right now. Okay. Oh, um, I think I've heard of Anchor FM. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware of them. Yeah. But uh, what do you find it more easy to do, video making or uh, podcasting? Um, I think I prefer the podcasting because it's, like I say, it's basic and simple, you know, and it's audio as well. So it's, it's it means it's small, smaller file sizes as well to work with. Um, yeah, there, there is the editing side, you know, you've got to make sure that you cut certain bits off if you don't want certain noises or sounds to be in there. Um, but I tend to just, I do my recording and and then I just basically just then upload it straight away. You know, I try not to listen back to my podcast because I just think, yeah, I already know how I sound. So I'm not going to put myself through that pain. I'm putting everybody else through that pain already by them listening to me anyway. Um, but yeah, I just I just don't really go too far into the editing phase. Um, but like I say, you know, the, the YouTube, I mean, I, I was doing YouTube for over a decade and 
yes, it was great doing it and everything in the video editing and mixing things and doing this and adding this and adding that. And it was it was good fun. Um, but podcasting, I think it's just so much more relaxing. I find it a bit more relaxing in that sense. It's like, you know, I can just sit in my chair. I don't have to present myself a certain way. I don't have to look a certain way. You know, nobody's watching me. They can't see what I look like, which is good. Um, whereas the, the amount of videos that I've done on YouTube, I'm amazed as to how many people have watched my videos. And like like yourself, Marcelo, you know, I've had people come come out to me and reach, reach, reach out to me and say, oh, you're the reason that I've started doing YouTube videos or you're the reason that I started doing podcasts. And I think, I think it's nice to be an inspiration to others. But I always, I always just tell people, look, if you're going to go down this road, just be yourself, just, just do your own thing. Just be yourself, be unique to yourself. You know, don't try and imitate or emulate what somebody else is doing. You are who you are. You be yourself, you do you, and then see what follows from there. You know, if you decide to take it to the next step, take it to the next level, you know, where you want to start getting paid for that sort of stuff, you go for it. You know, I'm not that kind of person. You know, I do my things just for me. Um, and if it, if it brings listeners, then great. You know, that for me is the bonus is people listening to what I what I do. Um, you know, I'm not in it for to be popular or the fame or anything like that. I'm just there. I'm just a guy in his, in his fortress of solitude who talks about geeky related stuff. And if people listen, people listen. It's an outlet for me to, 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 to speak on. And um, yeah, I just think, you know, keep it fun. You know, it's great fun as well. You know, as I say, if you keep it fun, then you, you can enjoy it as well. Yeah, no, I actually, I love your podcast, but I do have one bone to pick with your audience because I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame you because you left it up to them yeah. but I would have loved Fortress of Solitude better than Uncharted Era I'm sorry yeah no do you know what it is I'll be honest with you Marcelo I was hoping that Fortress of Solitude was going to win that as well because I really wanted to use that as the um, as the title for my podcast but I thought I thought to myself well other people are going to be listening to me so why not give them you know, I thought, let the people decide, you know, yes, it would have been a lot easier for me to have picked it and thought, yeah, no, I'm going to stick with Fortress Solitude. But I thought, no, I want to see what people think about it. And I actually now I do like the Uncharted era because it's like I say, I'm delving into an air into into a place where I've never been before. You know, I'm I'm going in blind. You know, I'm not really that, you know, well versed in the podcasting audience and the podcasting generation and such so it's like yeah for me it is uncharted eras you know it's an uncharted water it's like where am I going with this I don't know but let's just get started and let's see where we go you know um I'm also hoping to launch my Patreon podcast where I've been reviewing um all the episodes of Superman and Lois which is a, just a fantastic show so far um so that's I'm getting ready to get that launched. I'm recording all the episodes. I've actually released episode one on my normal podcast for people to listen to. I released that two weeks ago um, so that they can get a taste as to what, what's to come in that sense. Um, so yeah, um, like you say, and that that particular pod, Patreon podcast is going to be called Uncharted Reviews. So, you know, so again, it's keeping that theme in that sense. Um, but again, who knows what's going to happen with that one? Am I just going to stick with Superman and Lois or am I going to venture into other TV shows within the DC universe in that, in that sense as well? So yeah, Fortress of Solitude would have been better, but I do like the fact that people picked the Uncharted era instead. Yeah. 
Uh, for your Patreon only exclusive podcast, you should do Watchmen. I probably will do. I think I might do that. I have watched Watchmen and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a fantastic show. I like the fact that it's just the nine episodes, it's just the one season because Damon Lindelof, who was one of the one of the uh, guys that created the show, um, he basically said we were only doing it as a one-off. We we never had any intention to take it onto another season, even though the way that it ends, yes, you would expect a second season. But I, I prefer it keeping it open-ended in that sense and letting the audience decide where is this actually going to go. And quite frankly, if I, if I think about it, have you read the Doomsday Clock issues? Uh, that's a, that's something that we're going to get to in a minute. Okay, right. I, I'm going to I'm going to admit something. I mean, uh, most of my audience knows this already, but that's why I was kind of scared to death to ask you onto okay. the podcast right? because if he says yes, it's going to be cool. But then he's going to take away my nerd card for what I'm going to tell him. <laughs> no, 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 no. Definitely won't. I won't take away your nerd card. Trust me. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, I I I actually love comic book uh, uh comic book. Mit- uh, comic book hero material mm-hmm. but i i only come from i only come at it from a from a tv and television point of view mm-hmm. i'm not that versed in the comics although i do know most of the most of the popular uh, comic book storylines because i spent close to a decade listening to you people like you yeah. and other individuals who know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to comics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah. so I, I I have not read the Doomsday comic storyline, but uh, to be honest, I don't want HBO to do another season of Watchmen mm-hmm. uh, because Damon Lindelof is one of my favorite writers of all time. So when he came on to do Watchmen, I did laps around my house because <laughs> uh, my favorite Zack Snyder movie is Watchmen. I, I adore that movie with a passion. I know a lot of people detest it they hate it because he changed it mm-hmm. um from the you know the squid yeah um but i i just adore that movie i mean mm-hmm. oh yeah you know oh it's amazing it is yes uh, i totally agree yeah, yeah no <laughs> i um so when, when i say i love i love comic book movies and tv i'm not i'm not a I'm not a comic book reader guy, which mm-hmm. I've tried to fix in the prevailing years, but I, I just can't do it. I've tried various times to actually read comic book material mm-hmm. and it just doesn't buy with me. So if you want yeah. to shoot me, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Honestly, Marcelo, I'm, I'm the type of person that will tell you that if, if you have come into the comic book universe via TV or movie, that's not a bad thing. Because mm-hmm. there's a so the, the, what you've got to remember with comic books is that obviously they've existed since you know time began. Obviously, Superman was the very first superhero that was written. You know, his first appearance was in 1938 in Action Comics number one. Yep. But not everybody knows that, and there's nothing wrong with people not knowing that information. A lot of people that I know, um, you know, obviously grew up with the Christopher Reeve movies. You've got today's generation growing up with Henry Cavill as Superman. You've got people who remember, you know, Adam West from 66. You've got people who obviously grew up with Michael Keaton's Batman as well. Um, everybody, that's why they all exist, because everybody's got a favourite or everybody says, this is the one I prefer or this is the one I prefer or, you know, I like this one. I am not going to tell someone 
what they can and can't like. And I'm also not going to force someone to read the source material as well. I've watched all the Harry Potter movies. Do I have any intention of reading the books? Not at all. I have no intention of reading the books because the movies for me, that's my gateway to that universe. You know, that's my gateway into that world. I may not read the books. I know people who have read the books and they will tell, you know, I, I get it as well, where they say, oh, you've got to read the books. The books are so much better. And I'm like, I'm aware of that because I've read books and I've seen the adaptations on screen. Yeah, they take some bits out because they're not going to translate as well on screen as we would like them to. You know, what we visualize in our heads when we're reading these stories and when we are diving into these worlds, when we see it emerge before our eyes on the screen, we're thinking, okay, that, I imagine that, but this not didn't really sit well with me. And that's fine because that's, that's the mark of a fan. But what I don't like is people who insist that you've got to read the source material or you've got to do this, you've got to read that, you've got to, it's like, let people enjoy what they enjoy. And if, if you yourself, Marcelo, as you say, you've tried to get into the comic books, but it's not for you, that it's totally fine. There is nothing wrong with that. But if you then later on came over to me and said, oh, actually, I would like to dive back into them. Are there any stories you can recommend? And I, I will give you a good list. And then it's entirely up to you how you approach it. You know, I am not going to be the type of person that says, oh, you only know Superman because of Christopher Reeve, or you only know of Batman because of Michael Keaton, or you don't know the comic books, you don't know what, how he became Batman, what's his true inception, you know, why is he the Dark Knight, why is Wonder Woman who she is, you know, why is Barry Allen the Flash, I am not going to be that person, you know, I'm not, as I, as I like to say, it's quite, it's quite a bit of a bad word, mm -hmm. I'm not an elitist person in that sense, you know, I'm somebody who is comfortable with every version of a character, because I like to see different versions. I like to see how other people approach these characters, you know, your Jim Lees and your Gary Franks and your Dan Jurgens and your Alex Ross, how they draw the characters, how they write the characters. You know, Dan Jurgens has obviously written Superman. You've got Bruce Tim, the Batman, the animated series as well. You know, that's another show that a lot of people, they say that is the definitive version of Batman, which it is but it's not the only version of Batman that we have, you know? You can't prop one up and then use it to bring another one down. You've got to have a level of flexibility, you know? And if you are someone that is like, you know, I prefer this, okay, that's good. But then don't tell other people that the version that they like doesn't make them a fan. If you like um, Chris Evans' version of Captain America, but you don't, you, you, you've never read the comic book of Captain America, well, why shouldn't that person still be a fan? They still like Captain America, even if it's being played by a human being, as opposed to somebody that, that was supposed to one that Jack Kirby drew or Stan Lee wrote about. You know, there's no, the way I see it, there's no, nobody isn't a fan. You, we are all a fan whether you're, you just like one particular version or you like all versions. So yeah, for, for you, Marcelo, honestly, if you haven't read the comics, like I say, I am not, it's not something I'm going to have a go or go against the grain about at all whatsoever. That's beautifully said. I mean, I have to walk, I have to walk my statement back a little bit because mm -hmm. I don't read a lot of comics, but I have read two. I've read mm -hmm. uh, the Watchmen comic mm -hmm. and I've read the Killing Joke. So 
And those two stories right there, I mean, Watchmen is the, the most celebrated graphic novel of all time. And The Killing Joke has just got to be one of Alan Moore's great, again, another, you know, they're both Alan Moore books. That's yeah. the other thing you've got to remember. They are both Alan Moore books. So yeah, you read in those two, I I couldn't think of any sto- any better stories to, to have read, to be perfectly no, honest with you. And you know, you know, and the main reason why I read Watchmen was after seeing Zach's movie, because I love the story so much and I wanted to see I wanted to see what everybody was everybody was fucking pissed about. I'm like, no. <laughs> this is this is what they're pissed about a giant a giant octopus. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. But the but I, I but personally, I thought the movie ending was a little better. Mm-hmm. But I did get a kick out of seeing the octopus in the HBO in HBO's HB. Watchmen. I was like, yeah. I was like, squid. Wait, he's, yeah. they're gonna do it. Squid is falling uh, from the sky. He's gonna do it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> amazing. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, actually, I want to get actually to the heart of mm-hmm. this interview. Why asked you on the first place. Yeah. Um, what was your first exposure to, uh, the men of steel? What, what, you know, did you, did you read comic books as a kid or what, what was your gateway into Clark Kent? So my gateway into Superman and into the man of steel as a whole was when they aired Superman two on TV in in the uk way back in the late 80s and that was my very very first exposure and i remember watching that film it was actually quite funny because my dad has was just coming back from nigeria with my baby sister at the time um so i was about eight maybe nine years old or so so um and i remember my dad was coming back from nigeria that night my mom had some friends over as well so i was pretty much sat there sort of like watching the movie but at the same time we were recording it as well so if i did miss anything i know that i could re-watch it again um and i just remember just being fascinated just seeing this guy in this red and blue suit flying around saving people um you know fighting off against likes of zod ursa and non and everything i just thought wow this is so cool and then sometime after that um then they showed supergirl the movie on tv as well so that that was also aired on tv so that began the journey but it was a very slow journey for me it wasn't until i was about um say 12, 13 years old in my teens. And um, I was at secondary school and I remember there was this kid at school who his dad owned a corner shop and his dad was selling comics. So there were times where he would he would come into school and be reading comics. And I sort of looked over and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. I said, you know, what, what are you reading there? He's like, oh, um, it's uh, Spider-Man and, um, you know, X-Men. And I thought, oh, interesting, never heard of them. I thought I'd be keen to read a bit more. And this was my first exposure to Marvel Comics. I read, I read a Spider-Man comic that he brought in. I read an X-Men comic that he brought in as well. And that was also my gateway into, into Carnage as well, because obviously we'll be seeing him later in the Venom sequel later this year as well. And I'm really impressed with how they've done that. So all of that was how it all started. And it wasn't until I changed schools that I met another kid who was also into comics. And I thought, oh, somebody else is into comics but this guy was reading superman comics and he brought in his copy of and at the time i didn't even realize what was going on this was in so around about early 90s he brought in his comic of uh, the death of superman and that was my first real gateway into superman comics was the death of superman that was the very very first superman comic i ever read and i was taken aback by it. i was like oh my god they actually went and killed superman like 
how dare they (laughs) and everything and that was what introduced me to the character even more to the point of where I started to learn how to draw and everything I was like oh actually you know I want to get into comic book drawing and such and all that sort of stuff so it started getting me excited and I thought oh wow I'm getting really into this and everything um but I didn't buy my first comic book until when was it um it was actually 20 years ago in fact yes no, not even 20 years ago, about 17 years ago. It's around about 2004, 2005 uh, was when I bought my very, very actual first comic book for myself. And it was The Flash, The Fastest Man Alive, which is where it was actually Wally West that was introduced as, as The Flash at the time. Um, and then after that, decided, OK, I want to start getting back to some of the old comics that I used to read. Because like I say, my friend, he used to bring in comics. Um, one of the comic books that I remember reading, obviously, you know, Death of Superman, World Without Superman and Return of Superman. I read all three of them. I read all the Batman Nightfall series as well, where Bane breaks Batman's back. I read all of that because, again, my friend, he, he lent them to me. So I read all of those. Um, read uh, the Worlds Collide um, crossover where you had the likes of Superman, Superboy and Icon and Rocket from the Milestone characters, you know, the Static Shock characters crossing together and I bought those you know as well so I was slowly collecting all my comics again um so from about say 2004 was when I started buying comics and obviously I haven't stopped since um I've since got rid of a bunch of issues because I was clogging up all, all the all the issues and th- I thought you know what these will be better suited for somebody else that I donated them to a school um, sometime last year. I thought, you know, the school would probably benefit from them. them. But I've kept a lot of graphic novels. I've got a lot of graphic novels. And yeah, um, and I really, when I really got into Superman was around about just before Superman Returns was uh, released into the cinemas um, that I started to really get into the character, started to buy T-shirts and other bits of merchandise and, you know, shoes and all sorts you know socks boxes you name it I've got them um so yeah that was that was how it all started was way back in the late sort of 80s and just as I say slowly blossomed from there yeah you mentioned that your gateway into reading comics was Superman well my gateway into into loving superhero storytelling uh didn't uh came from somewhere uh not so conventional it's not so uh Conventional. I actually um, one of the first ep- one of the first TV shows that I ever watched religiously was this TV show about uh, this this young woman who had superpowers and she and she fought vampires and uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that show and the jackass who created it yeah. is the reason why I love. Uh, uh, comic uh, comic book superheroes. Mm-hmm. It's because of Lord Voldemort for this for the sake of this conversation. But yeah, if you guys are in are in our world at all, you know exactly who the hell we're talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> and well, I guess I should ask you about Lord Voldemort now. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when when like like your favorite comic book writer? How do you feel when your favorite comic book writer, for example, does something? really 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 foul and does something that you don't agree with yourself do you find it really hard to read uh new comics that he puts out or can you separate his art from his personal life see 
I've I've started to grow accustom, become accustomed to just separating the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult at times. Um, I guess in this case, I'm kind of lucky that I've got as many of this person's material as I have now. Because mm-hmm. let's say this something like this had happened a decade ago, then I probably would have just gone, you know what, I don't care what he writes, I won't buy it anymore. I'm not going to mm-hmm. pay a single penny, I won't buy whatever he's writing. But I've got to the stage now, because it's been that long that I've been reading his material and I know how good of a writer he is. He is a fantastic writer, he really is. But because of all the things that have stemmed from the whole Justice League investigation and everything, that I've decided, you know what? He's a dick, but I am still gonna read his comics. I will still read whatever he puts out now. Gary Frank, who's the artist that he works with, um, phenomenal artist, love his work. Um, they, they, they t- Gary actually teased the, uh, the third cover for Batman Earth One, volume three, which is the third and final outing of that story. And I'm like, I want to read that because I've got the first two. So I want to finish it. You know, I want to make sure that I finish it. And even Batman Three Jokers, I've read all of that. I did the reviews for that as well. Um, Because again, he wrote that, Gary Frank, no, not Gary Frank, sorry, uh, Jason Fabok did the the drawing, another who's another great drawer uh, artist as well. But again, he wrote Batman Three Jokers. So I figured I was already interested, I was already invested, I was, so I bought those comics. Uh, I'm still going to get the hardcover graphic novel containing all the three stories as well, so I want to get that. Um, But yeah, I've got to that stage now where I can separate his work from who he is, you know, as a person. Um, And that's the other thing is that there are a number of people, because the reason why I've separated it is because I know he is not the only person working in the industry. He is not the reason comics are are around. He is not the reason that comics are, are what they are. You've got the you've got the artist, you've got the pencilers, you've got the, the the people who do the colors, you've got the editors, you've got the people who put the books together, you've got all of that, all of these other people behind it. So if I say that I'm going to boycott his work, what I'm actually doing is I'm boycotting everybody else's work. So why should they be punished for one person's, you know, actions? Mm-hmm. You know, however bad those actions are everybody else should not be punished for it. So yeah, I've, I've got to that stage now. I can separate the arts with the artist. The only person whose art I cannot separate with themselves is obviously the person who directed the 2017 version of Justice League. <laughs> I, I cannot, you know, yes, I've got, I've, I've what you know, I'll still watch the Avengers. I'll still watch Age of Ultron. I do enjoy those two films. Um, but anything else that he, he like his his new series for HBO Max, I haven't watched that. I've got no intent. I would have, I would have watched it because it does look interesting. It's a fantasy type of story, but because of what he's done, I've got no interest in it whatsoever. So yeah, his his actions, unfortunately, um, you know, what happened with with the other guy, pales in comparison to this one. So that's why yeah, I'm able to separate that person's work but not the other one. His show is, his show was the first show that I ever watched Mm -hmm. religiously on TV, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And for years, he was my idol. But um, uh, to be honest, when all this stuff started coming out about his behavior on set 
how he treated Charisma Carpenter and and everything with Ray Fisher, Gal Gadot. I was really at a crisis of faith because I I really felt bad for liking his work so much. I felt horrible for liking Buffy, for liking Angel, for liking Firefly, for liking the Avengers, for liking Ultron. But then I spoke to a couple of friends of mine and said, listen, you don't have to feel guilty for liking his work. I mean, you like his work. I mean, I, I acknowledge that he's an awful person. He's a dick. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm a little bit more forgiving. But uh, my friends basically said, you shouldn't, you shouldn't deprive yourself of a man who had, uh, who, you shouldn't deprive yourself of, of a man's work who had such a deep impact on who you are. So I look, I personally, I've watched the Nevers and I think it's absolutely fantastic. I, I know that you're not going to venture down that road, which is your right. You can do whatever you want, but um, it is fantastic. And I, I do feel so, so bad for the people involved with the Nevers uh, because there are so many individuals like you who didn't give the show a shot because uh, this person's name was on it. Um. And I, and I, th- I think you're, you're right in that sense, Marcelo, because um, it's not sometimes I, I, would, I would probably say that, who knows, maybe in a few years time, I may get to the stage of where I think, you know what, I'll give the show a shot. I'll get I'll give it a watch. I'll have a look, see what it's about. You know, um, I don't I don't think it's going to get a second season by the sounds of things, um, but I'll give it a shot. You know, I'm not beyond that realm of not wanting to watch it. Just right now, because of everything that has happened, knowing how he's behaved, how he's treated people, I'm just like, and it, like I say, it's not people. Other people who have worked on the Nevers, it's not their fault, and I don't want to. I'm not branding them with the same brush as as, as his as him. So I may not watch it now because everything's sort of still raw in that sense. But that's not to say in about two years' time I might decide. You know what? Let's have a watch. Let, let's see what it's about. You know. Victorian times, you know, women kicking ass. Why not? You know, um, you know, we do we do love to see women in a powerful position. You know, beating the crap out of bad people, but kind of knowing where who he is, what he's done. And like you say, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was 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 a game changer of a show. It really was. It really was a game changer. I wasn't to that. I wasn't invested in Angel and all that much. So when that spinoff happened, I didn't really watch it as much as I did Buffy. Um, but then obviously, then he did uh, Firefly. True story. And I don't care how many people this angers. I've only watched the first ten minutes of Firefly, and I still do not understand why people find that show so amazing. I've heard stories. I've heard people talk about it. I know it's going to make me make me sound bad, but I can't get. Oh, I just can't. I couldn't. I could not get past the first ten minutes. I honestly couldn't. Um, I tried. No, it's not not without trying. Honestly, it's not without trying. Um, I think on more than one occasion, I did try to watch it, and I just thought, I do not see the appeal. I even watched some of the trailers, and I thought, I still don't see the appeal. Um, and I think one of the other reasons why I didn't see the appeal is because everybody, and I mean everybody, was propping Nathan Fillion up on this huge pedestal. It's like Nathan Fillion should play this character, Nathan Fillion should play that character, Nathan Fillion should play. And I'm just like, what is it about Nathan Fillion that he should play everybody under the sun? And there was a few things I watched him in, and I just thought, 
Well, it's not really all that in that in that sense. I don't I don't see the appeal with Nathan Fillion. Yeah, he's voiced Green Lantern, you know, in animated movies, which he's good at, and I like that. And I know people were all behind him becoming Green Lantern in live action. I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked, it probably would have, um, but I just didn't see the appeal and I didn't see the appeal of Firefly. So if you want to shoot me, <laughs> you go right for it. I'm thinking you never got out of the scene where the, the, the Battle of Serenity Valley, you never got out of that. You never got out of the initial first scene where everything, oh my God. Basically, <sighs> I, I just see, I just see, I just started seeing, you know, explosions and people shooting and I was just like, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Wow. Right. Okay. Because I I remember the film Serenity had come out as well, yeah. and I thought, oh, what what's this about? And then somebody said, oh, it's it's from Firefly, and I was like, oh, okay. Again, you know, I watched bits of it. I did watch bits of Serenity, but again, I just didn't see anything. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The cast is great. Gina Torres, Chiwetel Legiofor, Summer Glau, you know, all of them. Um, but I just I still didn't too. see. Yeah, Alan Tudyk as well, um, you know, obviously Nathan himself and um, Adam Baldwin as well. So it's got it's got a great cast, but I just didn't see. Yeah, the, the was no, it just wasn't wasn't for me. Yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. We're 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 like you said, we're all entitled to our opinions, and we like what we like, and we like what we don't like. Mm-hmm. But changing gears now, um, has anybody ever in your personal life given you? somewhat grief for liking comic books so much and for for basically sort of uh you can correct me if i'm wrong but basically idolizing superheroes um i would say yes there have been a few people um i I won't go into any specifics but yeah there have been a few people and all i'll say is is that at the end of the day this is who i am um you know take it or leave it if you do not appreciate the fact that i am a geek that I'm a Superman fan, that I like DC comics, and I like my comic books, you know, and I like to watch my superhero movies and TV shows, um, then, um, you know, then the doors that way, thank you very much. It was a, it was a real pleasure, or maybe not a pleasure, but yeah, you know, um, yeah, I've, I, I, I got grief quite a fair bit, um, but like I, like I say, that was one of the reasons why I must have started doing the YouTube videos, because like I was saying, I need to talk to somebody about this. I want to have a conversation about this. I want to talk and I want people to listen and give their opinions and their views as well. Um, You know, if I turn it on its head a bit, you know, you're saying that I would get grief from people who, you know, would look at me and think, oh, he's a bit of a freak because he likes Superman. Well, if I turn it on its head a bit, I got grief from people that were also fans but I got grief from them because I started to look at things in a different limelight, in a different view. I wasn't always looking at things with rose-tinted glasses, as a lot of people did back then. And it was during, it was actually during season 10 of Smallville. And I remember reviewing that season. And I, I know how over 70% of that season was just pure, dire stuff that, you know, there wasn't really, I know we were lean, we were leading up towards. Clark eventually becoming Superman and flying and everything. We're all looking forward to that. But some of the episodes were just, it was like, what was the point of doing those episodes? So when I would review these episodes and I would talk honestly about it, oh, I got some grief. I got some grief. People saying, oh, you're no longer a fan of the show. Oh, you've changed your tune. You know what's happened? I'm like, well, guys, I'm just seeing things differently now. 
You know, I see what's going on now. I see that they are going down a different pattern. They're going down a different path. They're, they're doing their own thing, which is fine. But there were just certain things that just didn't sit well with me. And I thought, well, if I'm not going to be honest to myself, then what does that make me? You know, I have to be true to myself and say, look, yes, the episode has some good elements in it, but here's where I thought it went wrong. Here's what I didn't like about it. You know, and I got into a few spats and arguments with some fans to the point of where I we just stopped talking to each other altogether. And you know what? It is what it is. It has happened. It's done. Um, you know, if they were to approach me now and say, you know, let bygones be bygones, then I'd be all for it, you know, but there are just, I don't know if you've met people like this, Marcelo, but I've certainly met people like that, you know, when they are just so overly excited, you know, you can be excited about things, you can be overly excited about some things as well, but they were overly excited pretty much 24-7, and I kind of found that just a little bit worrying in that in some ways I was just like just dial it back a bit you know I'm not saying don't be excited but just rein it in a bit because you don't want to come across as being too full-on because I used to do that oh my god yeah I used to do that I used to be very full-on but now I'm I'm more mellow more relaxed you know just chilled laid back you know I'll, I'll see if I if I know that I like something then I'll go for it if I don't like something then I don't like it, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it either, you know, so yeah, I think, I think that was some of the things that some people had issues with me was that because I was into superheroes, because I was into all this geeky stuff that they just thought, oh, okay, he's a bit of a freak, maybe I don't want to approach him, but it's like, well, you won't know until you've spoken to me, um, you know, and if, if we don't get on, we don't get on, no, 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 no messing around, we don't get on, we don't get on, it is what it is, you know, as I, as I like to tell people, I wasn't brought on this earth to be liked by everybody. And I wasn't brought on this earth to like everybody either. You know, you like who you like, and then there are people that you don't like. Um, that's just life. That's just the way it is. Yeah. No, the main reason why I bring this up is because in my family, look, my family has pretty much accepted who I am. The, mm -hmm. the fact that I love uh, science fiction, the, the fact that uh, one of my, that the fact that uh, my favorite property of all time is, uh, is star trek but i still get i still get uh like like for example i remember one time when we were i was at a family function and the trailer for um avengers endgame popped up and i was the only guy there who as the trailer went on i lost my crap i was going nuts and at the end of the trailer i stopped going nuts for a second i look around and everybody around me is staring at me they're looking at me like i'm nuts and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. yeah. I'm like, fuck it. I stepped in it again. I can't yeah. stay with these people. I yeah. need to find my people. Exactly. So um, later on that evening, I actually went on Twitter and had a big, I actually did a like, I sent out like maybe 15 tweets talking about how much I loved. Um, I think it was the initial trailer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, but I think, I think my love of superhero, uh, of superhero films and, all geeky material stuff in general mm. has made me a better person. And, and mm -hmm. I think that it's made me more at peace with myself mm -hmm. because growing up, I had some really deep sided anger issues and stuff like that. But because I loved Superman, because I, I was introduced to Smallville um, going through high school by one of my friends. Um, 
I be I, I I became a better person because my favorite superhero of all time is Superman. You mentioned that not a lot of people uh, were happy with what you said about season ten of Smallville, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here listening to you going. Jesus, when I start reviewing season 10 of Smallville, people are going to fucking hate me because, because I wanted Clark to, I mean, I wanted Clark to end up with Lana. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't want the writers to do the traditional thing of putting Clark with Lois Lane mm-hmm. because I, I didn't particularly like the way that Erica Durant played Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been it would have been so cool if the writers would have said, you know what, let's do something completely different. Let's do this instead mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. But you know, it's okay. Yeah. Don't worry. I mean, the, these are the things that happen. And yeah, you're right. Maybe they could have changed it. But one of the I'll tell you one of the biggest issues I obviously had with with Smallville, especially the later seasons and especially with season 10, was the fact that they paired up Chloe and Oliver. That was the biggest one for me. That was the biggest issue that they paired up Chloe Sullivan with Oliver Queen. And I thought to myself, okay, so you're changing that dynamic rather than Green Arrow and Black Canary, you know, Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance. It's like, no, we're going to put Chloe and Oliver together instead. I thought for, for first it was just going to be a phase that they wouldn't, it wouldn't last. But then they pandered to the fan service the writers and the, and the showrunners, you know, they pandered, they started listening to what the fans were saying. It's like, oh, we want Chloe and Oliver together. We want Chloe and Oliver together. And I even, I even remember when they were at Comic-Con, was it 2000? And it was just before season 10 was about to air. So it was 2010. Um, and a fan actually went up and basically said, are you going to keep Chloe and Oliver together? And we're just thinking, why (laughs) you know (laughs) what because some of these fans weren't watching the show as a superhero show they were watching it as if it was a soap opera yes underneath the service is like a soap opera slash teenage angst story because obviously Clark Lois uh, Lana sorry Clark Lana and Chloe and Pete all grown up together in Smallville and everything Um, and then as time went on, it started to become a bit more sort of like, I don't know, not Beverly Hills 90210, more like a bit of, uh, how should I put it? I want to say the, the bold and the beautiful slash Dawson's Creek. That's it. Yeah. Like a bit the Dawson's Creek sort of style, um, you know, where Clark is pining after Lana, but then Lois comes along and he changes his attention. And then it's all of that sort of stuff. And then, then you get this other romance between Chloe and Oliver and you're thinking that's not going to last. Why should that be happening? But they kept with it. They stuck with it. It paid off for them. But at the end of the day, yeah, I had a massive issue with that. I was like, I wanted to see Oliver Queen with Dinah because that's who he's supposed to be with. But they went and changed that. It's happened. It is what it is. Um, I'm just happy that we got the green, the, the arrow show. But again, I still had issues with that because uh. Oliver still didn't end up with Dinah. He ends up with, oh <laughs> you know, so it's like, again, it's another show featuring Green Arrow and he ends up with somebody other than the person he's actually supposed to end up with. But hey, again, I think it was just down to the fact that the writers and the showrunners could see oh, she was such a popular character. Let's let's make her the love of his life. And that's what they did. They stuck with it. Um, but 
yeah, season 10, Smallville, it has some issues. So when you get there, oh all I'll say is, is brace yourself, but stay true to yourself as well at the same time. So just, just be honest and open about what you're watching, what you're seeing. Um, and then just, yeah, just, 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 uh, I would like to say, ride the storm when it eventually arrives. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting that you bring up uh, Dawson's Creek because uh, Dawson's Creek is my favorite show of all time because okay. of that show yeah. is the reason that I became a screenplay writer. So, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so anytime that somebody brings up Dawson's Creek, I just, I just feel like I need to say that because <laughs> I don't know. Do you think that it would have been better? Do you think that the show uh, Smallville would have ended differently if the original showrunners um, um, uh, Miles Miller and Alfred Goff would have stayed with the show and not left after season seven? I think it would have, yes. Um, I believe that once it was only after they left that then the new showrunners decided, okay, we're going to try and break some boundaries here. Because obviously what was the first thing that they said when they pitched it to Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers basically said, okay. as long as he doesn't wear the cape and as long as he doesn't fly, you can have the show. But as soon as Guff and Miller left, then the showrunners thought, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make some changes. We're gonna change a few things here. We'll, we'll break some boundaries. We'll, we'll make him fly. Um, we'll give him a suit, but it won't be the traditional suit. And you thought to yourself, hmm, okay, where are they going? And then, then we started hearing whispers that all oh, Tom Welling doesn't want to wear the Superman suit because the legacy that it carries is overwhelming which I totally understand if anybody else, I mean, look at Henry Cavill when he tested in Christopher Reeve's suit, Zack Snyder saw him straight away and said, yep, that's my Superman. But how overwhelming would that have felt wearing the Christopher Reeve suit? Whenever anybody has to put on that suit, because of the legacy that Christopher has left behind. So I can understand Tom on that, on that side of things. But on the flip side, it would have been nice to have seen him in the suit. So yeah. I think if Miller and Guff had stayed on, I think things would have been different and they probably would have saved, maybe they would have been the ones to have talked Tom into eventually wearing the suit. I think they would have been the only two people to have actually said, take Tom to one corner and say, look, we've been, you've been doing this for this long now. It's time to actually end it the way it's meant to be ended. You have to put on the suit. Forget the legacy that it carries. Forget the fact that Christopher Reeve was the definitive Superman. Forget the fact that Brandon Ralph wore a Superman suit. This is your time. You, as the lead character of this show, you deserve this. The fans want to see you in this. This is the culmination of these 10 seasons that we have been building up to. You need to, we want you to do this. I think they would have found a way to have gotten him into the suit if they were still the showrunners of, of the show. Yeah, I really think they would have. What I will say is, is that for me, whilst season nine is my favorite season of the show, I felt like the show went on longer than it should have done. It should have gone for at least, well, at most seven seasons and then maybe do like a TV movie you know, show us what's 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 Superman doing in Metropolis, saving what the world, saving lives, all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm happy that it's ended with season 10. But then we actually got the Smallville comics as well, um, which I've also reviewed as well on YouTube. So, yeah, 
it would have been nice to have had Miller and Goff finish it off, but I am happy with what we got. I am satisfied with what we got. Um, I think it would have ended definitely a little more different if they had stayed on. Yeah. The um, the stories that Smallville told, particularly in the in the in the earlier seasons, I thought they were a perfect parable for growing up for growing pains. Mm-hmm. And I just I just I just found it fascinating that they did stuff like that, that they took time to 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 say something that really mattered in the vein of a superhero television show, because um, I thought the only show to do that before Smallville was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But I mean, I mean, I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a giant parable for growing up, going, you know, uh, showing, showing, showing the growing pains of adolescence yeah. through a science fiction uh, lens. So I thought that was uh, mar- uh, marvelous and fascinating. Um, now, the thing that I also want to ask you about, because if I don't ask you this, I'm going to explode. <laughs> uh, what did you think of uh, the, uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League? Absolutely loved it, one hundred percent. I've I've seen it in total six times now, and it just gets better with every viewing. It really does. And I would, it's actually quite funny that you've asked this question because <clears throat> I was actually thinking this earlier today that given what's happened over the past five six years, knowing what we know, and this is this isn't mean to be said in a bad way or or whatsoever but i'm kind of glad that what came out in 2017 happened because if zach had continued his work continued his version we would have only have just gotten half of what he had made like we did well i say like we did with batman v superman because they took half an hour of the story away and completely changed the whole thematic scheme of the film and we already seen the fallout of that. So if Zach, Zach's original version had come out in 2017, it wouldn't have been the full version. And then we would have to have waited for the Blu-ray to come out to then watch the full cut. So I'm glad that he stepped down to, you know, take some time out to be with his family after what happened with his daughter. Whilst I'm not happy with the, with what we got in 2017, I'm glad that HBO Max took the opportunity to release it in its full four hours and two minute version, because who knows what we would have gotten in 2017, even with Zach directing it, you know, with with all with all the shots that he put together and everything, would we have gotten another two hour version? Would we have gotten a two and a half hour version? Would we have gotten a three hour version? I don't know, because going on Warner Brothers track record, yeah, I I can totally see that Zach would have had to, he had to bring it down. Who could bring down a movie involving Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, Cyborg, and potentially Green Lantern into a two hour movie? Not even Martin Scorsese could do that. Nobody in their right, not, I can't, I wouldn't imagine a director that would say to, that would think, okay, this is supposed to be a four hour long movie, but you want me to reduce to two hours. I've got to introduce all these other characters that haven't been introduced, you know, your cyborg, your, your flash, your Aquaman, before they are ventured into their own individual movies, but you want me to 
trim it down to two hours and yet there's a massive story to tell here and i'm just thinking no there's no way that would have worked so i am glad that we got it now rather than 2017 because like i say the fallout from that would have been 10 times worse than what it was for bvs i think you know the reviews again may have been they would have panned it critics would have been scorching it whereas with the version that we now have general audience loves it critics are loving it bloggers are loving it you know well the majority of them are and it wasn't the fans that started restored snyderverse it was the general audience it was the critics it was the bloggers they're the ones who were saying to warner brothers give us the rest we want to see where this goes you know but because of their ineptitude and because of the people that are in charge is why we are now in a limbo situation whereby we're thinking, okay, Warner Brothers, Warner Media and Discovery are now merging. Will the new CEO look at the Snyderverse and think, let's get that finished off. Let's put it on HBO Max. You know, you've got all this material that Zach has designed, that Zach has created. Utilize it. You've got your streaming platform now. Bring it in. You've got the content. What is the issue? We know what the issue is, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, me personally, I do think that the CEO of Discovery is actually going to, once the, once the merger becomes official and all the ink is dried, mm -hmm. I do think that the CEO of, um, of Discovery is going to actually branch off DC Films into its own studio. I hope and he does. And I think that he's going to anoint a Kevin Feige figure to actually uh, look over the entire division, because um, I don't I, I don't know what your experience is, your experience was. But when I was a kid watching, you know, um, Tim Burton's Batman, the, the Schumacher Batman, I don't remember feeling this upset at the way that you know batman was being treated or whatever superheroes were coming out at that time and i think that as i got older and as i fell in love with film and i i, I understood how the business works mm -hmm. you know the more and more i got upset with it um but i think look you i mean i i, I pretty much know what you think about uh warner Bros. and what they've done to superman and cyborg in particular but i think that despite the fact that they've treated superman and cyborg like crap they've done uh a brilliant job with joker i mean i mean they they you know you know they greenlit a rated our joker film like like kevin feige would have never done that yeah um but you see i'll quick, okay. quickly interject you say that but their problem problem with joker they actually did try to sabotage that film as well. They were trying to get Todd Phillips to not make the movie at all because they believed nobody wanted to see it. Now, the film, the film made a billion dollars, but the way that Warner Brothers had financed the film, they are not even seeing, not even 70% of that billion dollars. The way that they did it was that, okay, Right. Okay. Yeah. You can make, you can make the Joker film. We're not really that invested in it. Here you go. Here, here's your scripts, whatever, get your cars, go out there, do it, do you do what you want to do. But because they weren't heavily invested in it in terms of the money, 
when it made a billion dollars, they've barely seen a penny of it. Mm -hmm. Warner Brothers themselves have barely seen a penny of that billion dollars because they screwed themselves over. They tried to get Todd not to make the film, yet it's made a billion dollars, it's won Oscars, Joaquin Phoenix getting his Oscar for Best Actor, um, you know, the, 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 the music composer Hilda Guttendorf getting for the, for, for the music of Joker as well. And you just think to yourself, there is an audience for this. There is clearly an audience for this. But Warner Brothers, it's like they are almost afraid to make money, like the money that really matters. So, yeah, Joker's a fantastic film. I'm glad because I'll be honest, I had my skepticism about the film. I was like, do we really need a Joker origin story? Why do we need a Joker origin story? He doesn't have an origin in that sense. He is effectively a nobody. Nobody knows who he really is. When I saw the first trailer, I thought, okay, not bad. Saw the second trailer, I thought, actually, this could be interesting. When I watched the film, well, my mind was fucking blown. I was taken aback. I was like, right, I take back what I said about this film. This film was perfect. It was, it's just what we needed. It was exactly what we needed. It went in a direct, it went in several directions that I would never in a million years would have imagined it was going to happen. So hats off to Todd Phillips and everybody else on that film. What do you think is a problem with Warner's executives that, you know, that because I, because I don't remember Warner's executives being this fucking stupid when I was a kid. I'll tell, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. So their problem is, is that they, they are so heavily guarding of Superman and Batman that as far as they are concerned, they are the only two comic book characters that matter to them. They've delved into other areas. Look, Halle Berry as Catwoman, uh, Josh Brolin as uh, Jonah Hex, Shaquille O'Neal as Steel. You know, you look at those films and you can see just how bad they were. I, I've not, the only one out of those three I've watched is Steel. I remember watching Steel way back when and I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is not bad. Oh, Shaquille O'Neal playing a superhero. Right, good, not bad. But you could tell it was just so badly done, you know, and everything. Um, then I heard about Catwoman, then I heard about Jonah Hex um, and all the other stuff. So that's why they've only ever kept going with Superman and Batman because they are the two big characters. They are the big two. Let's focus on them. You know, we heard Joss Whedon had put in a script for Wonder Woman, but that didn't take because it was it was dire. I've, I've heard stories about it and I've heard that, yeah, I'm glad that wasn't made. Then we kept thinking, when are we going to see a Wonder Woman? When are we going to see Flash? When are we going to see Aquaman? When are these characters going to get their time to shine on the big screen? And then along comes Zack Snyder. Brings out Man of Steel. The first Superman movie that general audiences... I, I, went, I saw this movie no less than 10 times when it was in the cinema. And every viewing I went to, people were happy with this film. They were like, finally, a Superman movie that actually has Superman doing stuff. No discredit to Christopher Reeve, because like I say, he was the definitive because he could play Clark and Superman so differently, you would definitely think they were two different people. But Henry Cavill's Superman was for the new generation. You know, so Zach changed that, that dynamic. He made him more human. 
basically, in that sense. He put him in a real-world situation. I've always thought to myself, what if Superman was real? How would we, as a species, react to an alien coming into our planet? Well, you only have to look around you. Look at how people treat immigrants. When you look at that that way, you know people will be fearful of somebody like Superman. So that's the world that he put him in, which was good. Then they announced Batman v Superman, and we're thinking, okay, now they're going somewhere that we didn't expect them to go, although we have been crying out for a Superman and Batman film for a long time. So that happens. Then he announces Wonder Woman. We're thinking, okay, finally, now we're going to get the Trinity. And I was so pumped and so excited when that was announced. You know, this is the other thing about why it's known as, why the DCEU at present is known as the Snyderverse. He cast Superman. He cast Batman. He cast Wonder Woman. He cast The Flash. He cast Aquaman. And he cast Cyborg. He cast the entire Justice League, did Zack Snyder. So Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, eventually gets her own film. Finally, she's done two films now, still waiting on hearing about the third, but so far we think it's got a green light. Cyborg should have had his movie by, well, last year. The Green Lantern Corps should have had their movie last year. Aquaman got his movie, made a billion dollars, sequels being made. Shazam comes into the fold. Yes, Shazam wasn't cast by Zack, but David Sandberg has acknowledged that it exists within the DCEU slash Snyderverse. Patty Jenkins has, has come out and said that our characters are in the same universe as Zack Snyder's characters, as Justice League, as Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know, Batman, Superman, Man of Steel and all of that. Yes, Wonder Woman 1984 and the first Wonder Woman film, they are essentially solo outings. So you could easily say, well, they don't really fit with Zack Snyder's narrative, but that's not the point. The point is Zack cast Gal as Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins took her on. To, to, to continue the films. So Zach created the DCEU. Warners are still not seeing the fruits of that labor. They are, they, I don't think they like the attention that Zach has been getting over the past several years because of their, of their meddling, because they took half an hour out of a film that caused this huge fallout that's where it started taking 30 minutes out of a film just so you could have more screenings yet hobbit films lord of the rings films that are over three hours long got made they all made over a billion dollars the avengers endgame was three hours long as well look how much money that made and that's the other thing they are chasing marvel in a non-existing race why? If you had let Zach continued his narrative, he, Zach even said, he said in an article, he said, I would have given them, I even gave them the opportunity to soft reboot if they wanted to with The Flash. And that's likely what's going to happen in The Flash movie. We're getting two Batman for heaven's sake, Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in The Flash movie. Zach said let me do let me narrate this let me do my story let me do my man of steel bvs three justice league films his five story arc and then he would have said okay when whoever's going to do the solar flash film if you want to do a soft reboot you go for it that could have been flashpoint 
you know, you had your Aquaman solo film, you had your Wonder Woman solo film already in the bag. Flash could have had his film, could have done a soft reboot. Then you could have done whatever you wanted to do there. If Ben Affleck didn't want to be Batman again, you can bring somebody else to be Batman. Yes, we're getting Robert Pattinson next year in the Batman, but that's a different universe. We know that. But yeah, I don't know what they were afraid of. I don't know why they didn't want to continue the narrative that Zack had visioned for, for these characters. It would have been like watch, it would have been like reading five individual graphic novels, starting with Superman, the granddaddy of superheroes. You start off with him, then you take it all the way to the end with him again at the forefront. Um, yeah, I'm baffled. I'm absolutely baffled. And I think that's the other thing is that now the general audience is more clued up. They're not as dumb as, they're, as, the, as the executives think they are now. They are more clued up on stuff. Like you say, you know, you started getting into screenwriting and stuff. You are now starting to understand how the business works. You know, a decade ago, if they had released Justice League, you'd have been like, oh my God, we're actually getting Justice League. And we would have been none the wiser. We'd just been happy that we're getting a Justice League film. The one movie that I will never forgive Warner Brothers for is not the original Justice League. It's BBS, the theatrical cut. That movie angered me so much. I came out of that film feeling like I wanted to kill someone <laughs> because I couldn't look, I couldn't understand why Batman was being so stupid. Yeah. And the fact that he couldn't figure out that this whole thing was being set up by Lex Luthor. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I didn't like is that during the, uh, during uh, uh, Batman and Superman's fight at the end, when he goes, when, uh, when Bruce Wayne insults Superman, he goes, you're not even a man. And I'm like, dude, if Superman wanted to, he could kill you right now. Yeah. I thought that was so disrespectful. And the whole Martha thing, I was like, really? Do we really need to do that? Come mm-hmm. on. I'm like, oh, I think it's a failure of Warner Brothers needed to put somebody in charge of just the DC stuff and somebody who understood Zack Snyder's vision and actually had appreciation for it. Yeah. Because I think the reason why it was such a was, was such a disaster is number two, they wanted they were chasing some they were chasing something that they couldn't catch up to in the mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that they didn't uh, it's been reported or it has been reported that they didn't like the initial vision that Zach was was doing from what from from the reports that I have read. I may be yeah. wrong. So I would 100 percent agree with that. There was that discrepancy that they weren't. Apparently, there were certain elements of the storyline that Zach had mapped out that they just weren't comfortable with. You know, like, I don't know if you saw all the, um, when they they had the Justice League 2 and 3 exhibit in Dallas just before Zack Snyder's Justice League came out, there was all the uh, storyboards that they put up. One of them was saying how Lois and Bruce had got together. And people were like, why would you want to do that? But then you then later on found out that Lois is pregnant with Bruce's baby as opposed to Clark's baby. Because when Clark obviously gets killed by Doomsday, um, Lois and Bruce sort of form a bond. You know, she's he's comforting her for the loss of Clark. He understands the loss of a close loved one because obviously he's lost his parents. Obviously he's lost uh, Dick Grayson as well. So he understands that. And that's probably why they formed a bond and then 
certain things happened, this, that, and the other. So, yeah, they, the executives thought, no, we can't do that. We can't have that. We can't have Lois and Bruce getting and getting together. However, if you watch Superman, the animated series, there's a crossover with Batman and Superman where Bruce and Lois actually go on a date. So it does happen. It's not so even if even if Zach had been allowed to have let that happen, yes, you probably would have heard cries from people saying, Oh, why did he put Lois and Bruce together? And I'd be like, uh, you guys have watched the Superman Batman World's Finest crossover film where Lois and Bruce do go on a date. So this is not new. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things that they that they, you know weren't happy about certain things were scaring them as well apparently steppenwolf's original look scared them so much they were like we can't have this on screen it will scare people well, that's the whole fucking point it's designed to scare people steppenwolf is a scary motherfucker that's the whole point of him yes he's supposed to be scary so yeah they they made all these decisions so that's why the storyboards eventually got released because zach said look there's a possibility that this is not going to get made and even if it does get made things are going to change it's not going to be what 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 we've seen on the storyboards won't be the final version anyway there will be changes and i'm sure zach could he's acknowledged that so yeah warners there were certain elements that they thought no we can't have that so that's why changes were made if you you know if warner brothers came to you and said listen we want to branch off dc films into its own section of our company and if they came to you and said, we need somebody to run this thing, we need you to nominate a Kevin Feige type, who would you get to do it? It's a no-brainer, Zach and Deborah Snyder. Okay. Definitely, Zach and Deborah Snyder. And I'll tell you why. Number one, DC Studios definitely needs to happen. They definitely need, like, DC Studios needs to be its own thing, like Marvel Studios, right? It needs to be its own thing. You need somebody who understands the DC Comics law. No nobody in terms of directors knows the characters better than Zack Snyder I don't care how many people will turn around and say oh no he doesn't know the characters well if he didn't know the characters why is it there are certain elements when I've watched his films involving DC characters there are certain elements that he picks out from the source material from the comic books from the tv shows from the animated series there are various things that he has picked out you know BVS is loosely based off Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns because he loves that comic book. He's, it's his favourite. There are other people who will tell you that that's a great comic book as well. I've read The Dark Knight Returns. It's phenomenal. It's great. I don't like the way Frank Miller draws Superman, but <laughs> that, that, that's, that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, Zack and Deborah Snyder would be the perfect two because Zack knows the characters, Zack knows the DC Comics lore, and Deborah Snyder, she's a fantastic producer. She has worked with Zack on all of his films. You know, she's done other stuff as well. She understands the narrative. She also knows exactly what Zack's vision is. She knows exactly where it's going. They would both be perfect because neither of them has had a bad word said about them from the people that they've worked with. You ask anybody that has worked with Zack Snyder, nobody, has said a bad word about him. You hear all sorts of bad stuff about other directors, but nobody has said anything bad about Zach. That's why for me, he would be the perfect sort of Kevin Feige type figure to spearhead DC films. 
but there would have to be, first of all, you would have to get Warner Brothers to apologize to both Zach and Deborah and to the cast of the Justice League and especially Ray Fisher for everything that has happened. Get all that done, clear the air, get everybody on the same page, DC Films slash DC Studios, Zach, Deborah, there you go, here's the money, create. Where's the problem? I wouldn't, uh, that, that wouldn't be my choice. Now you're going to think I'm insane. But, but <laughs> to me, this makes, to me, this makes some sort of sense. Mm-hmm. I would nominate Greg Berlanti to, to, to look okay. after, uh, to, to look after the newly minted DC uh, studios. If mm-hmm. Warner, if uh, discovery wanted to do something like that. And the reason why I do that uh, to you, it's probably going to sound obvious, <laughs> but the Berlin, the Berlin T verse on the um, CW See, yeah. is the most comic booky universe on TV that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it's cheesy, it's stupid, it can be ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. 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 But someone like that, I think, would uh, would be a really good um, head boss, so to speak. And mm-hmm. he already has a great relationship with. The evil corporation that is uh, uh, Warner Media. Um, so, and you know, he wouldn't have to do mending of bridges, although that would be nice if he did, yeah. if he reached out for Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. but I, uh, but actually, I think I like your choice better. Do you know what it is? I, I wouldn't say no to Greg Belanti either because everything that he's done in terms of DC related stuff has been wonderful. It has been great. He has pretty much spearheaded that that side of things on the CW uh, with the with this with the we'll call it the Belanti verse as opposed to the Arrow verse because Arrow obviously verse. Arrow's no longer yeah it is the Belanti verse in that sense. Um, so yeah, I I wouldn't say no to Greg Belanti either because even he knows the characters. He knows the um, the DC comics lore as well. So he's fully versed in that in that sense as well um so it wouldn't i wouldn't say no to uh to, to greg either um but like you say yes he would have to do some sort of bridge in between warners and and the snyders if he wants to get them on board as well um so yeah who knows do you think do you think any executives who are currently at warner brothers are remorseful or- You've got Walter Hamada. Yeah, he's the head yeah. of DC Films. You've got Anne Sarnoff, who's the head of Warner Brothers Pictures. You've got Toby Emmerich, who's also part of Warner Brothers Pictures as well. Now, they are the three that have been causing the issues. Um, Walter Hamada was the guy responsible for telling Ray Fisher that, look, I'll, I'll get rid of Joss Whedon and I'll get rid of John Berg but I can't get rid of Jeff Johns because he's too valuable. You know, I won't, I won't throw him under the bus. And so that's when Ray was like, well, then mm-hmm. I can't, I can't stand by that. Um, and Sarnoff, we all thought she was going to be the new person that was going to lead DC into a new direction. Then she came out with that hit piece shortly after Zack Snyder's Justice League came out where she said, the film is out now. We don't care about it. We are now moving on with our own plan. What plan? You haven't told us what your plan is. You know, yes, we've got the Suicide Squad coming this late later this year. Yes, we've got the Batman next year. Yes, we've got the Flash. Yes, we've got Shazam. We've got Aquaman too, but you haven't got a solid plan, you know. Um, and Toby Emmerich, well, he's just essentially old Hollywood. 
He is basically narcissistic, I want to say racist in some parts, um, you know, just cares about himself, thinks he knows what the audience want, um, doesn't have a clue about DC properties whatsoever, doesn't know what to do with the characters. Um, yeah, so they are the three that need to go. So we'll see what happens. Do you think all the three are going to be gone once the uh, merger with Discovery is complete? Or do you think that some of them are going to remain? I I want, I would love for all three of them to be gone. Um, Toby Emmerich is probably the more likely that's going to go because his contract actually ends next year. So in 2022 is when his contract with Warner Media finishes. Um, and Sarnoff, um, she may be given a different position. Walter Hamada, I can't see him being head of DC Films if Discovery decide we are now going to spearhead this off into a different direction. Um, but unless Walter does publicly apologize to Ray Fisher, if and when that happens, then he can stay as head of DC Films for all I care. Because as long as that apology has been given to Ray, that's all, Ray, all this is the only thing that Ray's asking for, is for a public apology. That's it. He's not asking for millions of dollars. He's not bribing them or anything. He's just asking for a public apology. That's it. What is that so hard about? John Berg did it. John Berg has publicly apologized to, uh, to Ray Fisher. He has said, I wish I could have done more for him. He, you know, he didn't deserve that treatment. He even said the same thing about Zach, that he wish he could have done more for Zach as well. So John has actually come out and said, look, I hold my hands up. What I did was bad, but I was under I was under pressure. I was under cosh, this, that, and the other, all that sort of stuff. But at least he's admitted it. And Ray, Ray has basically said, yeah, thank you. I'm glad that you've you've admitted to it and you've been true to yourself. So now it's down to Emmerich, Hamada, and Sarnoff. Like I say, I think Emmerich is probably going to be the first one to go. And we'll see what will happen with Sarnoff and, uh, and Hamada after that. What's your favorite uh, Greg Berlanti uh, television show? Like, what, what are you watching from that uh, side of the DC universe right now? Um, well, up until I think two, well, last week, actually, it was uh, Black Lightning. Um, that's now finished. It's, it's, it's run. Um, it, so it's only, it only went on for four seasons. Uh, Black Lightning was fascinating. Um, really, really good show. Um, obviously dealing with a lot of racial stuff as well, with it being a, a lead Black character with a Black family and pretty much all the characters in, in that show were, were essentially Black as well. Um, just seeing all the everything that has been happening in the real world occurring within the show as well, having that narrative and really delving into that, into that, into that area as well was really good. So yeah, I, I would definitely miss Black Lightning. Um, but Arrow was probably be my, will be my sort of like all time favorites because uh, that essentially kicked it all off. That, that show kicked it all off. You know, I didn't know what to expect at the time and never heard of Stephen Amell before that show, but then he became such a huge figure. You know, I've also met him as well. Um, and then, like I say, then we've had all these spin-offs. We've had The Flash, we've got Supergirl. Legends of Tomorrow has just gone in its own direction. It's like you said earlier, the Balantiverse is sometimes crazy at times. Well, Legends of Tomorrow is the embodiment of that. It is essentially that. But quite funny enough, Balanti has actually is also producing Doom Patrol and Titans as well, which are on HBO Max. So he's really got his hands in all the pies in that sense. So he does the wacky and wonderful in terms of Doom Patrol. He does the crazy in terms of, um, 
you know, um, Legends of Tomorrow, but then he does the serious in terms of Titans as well at the same time. So it's, yeah, I, I like all the shows, but I think Arrow, Black Lightning, and uh, Doom Patrol, um, they're probably my, my three favorites. And, and obviously, obviously now, Superman and Lois, now that that's out, that is now essentially taking the forefront for me because that show, it's got, it, it's on a different level to what we've seen on the CW. It's on a totally different level. I'm sure they've upped the budget. They've basically said, here's all the money, go and make us a great show. And they have done. And you can tell that they borrowed elements from Man of Steel and Batman v Superman as well. You know, that's where it's all coming from. And it's all the better for it. It really is. So I'm absolutely loving Superman and Lois. It's a great show. Yeah. Actually, Superman Lois is actually co-financed by HBO Max. Uh, that explains it. They see, I wasn't sure where the money yeah. was actually coming from. I just thought, oh, maybe somebody at Warner Brothers Television just said, just just give them it, just give them the money. But like, the fact that it's co-financed with HBO Max, That's... that makes a lot more sense then. Uh, do you know about the animated, uh, new animated Batman series? That's uh, coming? Yes. Yes, I'm aware of the new Batman animated series called The Cape Crusader. Uh, Matt Reeves, J.J. Abrams and Bruce Timm all getting involved on that. That is crazy. And then there's also a new Superman animated series as well coming called My Adventures with Superman. Um, So already had a two season order um, and it's going to be Superman's going to be voiced by um, Jack Quaid, who plays Huey on The Boys. Um, So that that'll be very, very, very good to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's Yeah, he's going to be voicing Superman, so I'm looking forward to that as well. What's your thought about Warner Brothers doing a a Superman of color? Yeah, now, I was going to touch on that one earlier, but I thought, okay, right. So, so given the whole fallout of what we know of what's been happening in terms of, you know, um, whether or not Henry Cavill is still going to continue as Superman, um, you know, talking about Ray Fisher and stuff, then Warner's come out and say, we are going to make a black Superman. And we're thinking, okay, are you going to use Val Zod from Earth 2? Are you going to use Calvin Ellis from Earth 23? Or are you going to use Steel? We're thinking, you know, John Henry Irons, that that could work. No, we're going to make Kal-El black. So you're going to make OG Superman black when you've got essentially three other black Superman characters already involved, but you want to turn regular Clark Kent black. Now, I don't have a problem with you making Perry White black, you know, because he was played by Lawrence Fishburne in Man of Steel. I didn't have a problem with Pete Ross being black in Smallville. Had no issues with um, James Olsen being black in the Supergirl series. But when you're going to take the granddaddy of superheroes, and you're going to say, we are going to now make him a black character. When you already have existing characters of the same name that are black, then you're, you're going down a path that you shouldn't have started. So my first thought is, A, they better come out and say, actually, that wasn't our narrative. We are going to be using either Val Zod, um, Calvin Ellis, or John Henry Irons. Whichever one of those three I'm happy with, whichever one you go for, I don't, I'm not fussed. Um, but until I see an actor, a director, a writer who's completed the script, because we know that Tanahisi Coates is supposed to be writing the script, is due to start writing the first draft by December. I want to see set costumes, I want to see set locations, and I want to see a trailer. 
when you show me the trailer, then I know you mean serious business. This has been the thing for me over the past few years, ever since the whole debacle of Justice League, is that my faith in Warner Brothers has just gone so low now that when they announce a project, I don't take it on face value. I will think to myself, okay, you've announced this, but what's the chances of it actually getting made? Because we've seen that happen. New Gods is not happening. The Trench is not happening. You know, why, why cancel those two, especially New Gods? Ava DuVernay and Tom King were both really ready to dive into that Jack Kirby world, give us something that was gonna, and I would, I would have hoped that they would have done this, that they would have taken what Zack did in Zack Snyder's Justice League with Darkseid, Granny Goodness, Steppenwolf, Desaad, Apocalypse. They probably would have used that. They could have still have created their world by the story could have been everything before. Um, so between, you know, with the history lesson in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So it could have been after that and before Zack Snyder's Justice League. That window right there would have been the perfect story. We would have been introduced to the Furies, we would have been introduced to Big Barda, we would have been introduced to Scott Free as well, Light Ray, Forager, the Forever People, New, New Genesis, High Father, Orion, all of these characters we would have been introduced to. But no, Warner's decided, yeah, we're not gonna bother with New Gods now. So yeah, until, like I say, with the Black Superman thing, until I see a trailer, I'm not going to believe it. It's the direction that they're going in. That's the problem. All right, guys. So I think uh, on those words, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Red Wall podcast. Uh, really quick, uh, CK, if the mm -hmm. good folks at home want to find you, what's the best place to reach you on social media? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle's on Twitter is CK61938. It's also the same handle on Instagram as well. And obviously you can find me on YouTube at CK61938. And of course my podcast, Uncharted Era, with CK61938. You can find it on all your available uh, podcast catchers that, that you use to listen to. Yep. Uh, well, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure being here. Thank you for having me as a guest. That's a wrap for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast, episode 77, entitled Two Superman Fans Walk Into a Bar. If you like the content that I produce here on the Red Wall, I would appreciate a comment, a like, or a subscribe on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to me on. But with all that being said and out of the way, as always, until next time, I'll see you when I see you.